Now, here's everybody's favorite millennial. Adam Crowley. On ESPN Pittsburgh. Coffee, and I missed the start of the show. I would imagine that that means that I'm going to get a demerit. Whoops! You have found the Crowley Show where your mom listens, and you should too. Four one two nine two 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 eight seven four is the number to call, or you can join the cast of dozens and follow me on Twitter at underscore Adam Crowley. In fact, I didn't have my phone with me, and the clock in the break room I think is a few minutes slow. So at one point I realized, oh damn, maybe I'm going to be late for the start of the show. And it was a Keurig. And I had to wait until all the coffee came out. If not, it would have been a mess. Now I suppose I could have left the coffee cup there, but I don't care about the first 45 seconds of my show enough. And then the other reason why I was late is because then once the coffee cup was filled, I couldn't move swiftly down the hall. Although you will find a trail of hot coffee from the break room to the ESPN Pittsburgh room. Penguins lost last night. Michael Grabner had about 15 breakaways. Derek Broussard did next to nothing. I guess the Penguins made a mistake firing Ray Shiro. It's combine week, bitches. I've seen scouts compare players to, get this, Tom Brady, Von Miller, other great players from throughout the National Football League. Shouldn't every team in the draft trade their picks to get the guy who's the next Brady? The comparison game is the dumbest thing I've ever seen. He's got a noggin like Peyton Manning. Okay, well then he should run my front office and be my quarterback. He's got an arm like Jamarcus Russell, but drinks a lot less cough syrup. Okay, mid-round pick. The worst is, I was watching the NFL Network yesterday, and there's slow-motion replay of quarterbacks next to comparisons in the National Football League. So you've got Josh Allen, who had like a 56% completion percentage in Wyoming. Slow-motion, dropping back, throwing the football on one side of the screen, while Ben Roethlisberger is slow-motion throwing the football on the other side of the screen. Hello! If that guy's Ben Roethlisberger, then trade all your picks to take him number one overall. It's the dumbest thing that we do. And God bless guys like John Ledger, who's a friend of mine who goes out there and scouts the NFL Combine, but it's just not for me. If it is for you, that's fine. If it's your cup of tea, or in this case, cup of coffee, (laughs) that's fine. You be you, man. It's 2018. But it ain't for me. His hand size is just going to make him struggle in cold weather. Well, who gives a bleep? I don't care about hand size. I don't care about bench press. I care about football. I care about watching a dude go out there and maul people. I care about a quarterback who could put the ball in tight windows. I care about smart quarterbacks 
I don't need to know what their hand size is. I don't need to know how tall they are. There have been successful small quarterbacks in the National Football League. And worst of all, most of all, I don't need the comparisons. Well, this guy's like a Russell Wilson. Okay, good. Draft him first overall, then. This guy's like Marvin Harrison. Oh, is he going to shoot someone? Too soon. Kevin Colbert spoke today. He always tries to lead the combine. I love that about Colbert. He's like, let me get this shiz over with. All the media stuff out of the way, and then I'll focus on football the rest of the week. Because what they do at the combine is they trot out all the coaches and GMs from the start of the week till the end of the week. And if you've got to do all your media hits late in the week, I think that it would kind of stink because you're trying to watch the actual players out there. So Colbert tries to get it done. He did get it done today, and the big thing that came from the press conference was Ryan Shazier is not going to play in 2018. He says Ryan knows it. My question for you, and this was the subject of my Twitter question today, which is still unsponsored, I want money, come on, people, was this. Would you ever be comfortable watching Ryan Shazier play football? Because I would not be. That's not to say I'm not rooting for him to get onto the football field. That's not to say that I don't want him to achieve everything that he wants to achieve. Hell, again, it's 2018. You do you, man. If you want to be out there on the football field, and that's how you want to spend your life, that's fine. But every time you make a tackle, I'm going to cringe. And I'm going to have a very difficult time watching him play football if he winds up playing football in 2019 or beyond. I want to hear from you, though, on that. At 412-922-2874, tweet me at underscore Adam Crowley. Do you want to watch him play? Can you bring yourself to watch him play? I can't. And I'll remember the reaction that I had when it all went down. I was watching the game with Brian in the DVE studio because I do halftime and sometimes post game, and Brian runs the whole ship. And when he went down and got hurt, I was like, oh, that looks awful. And Brian goes, dude, it's more than awful. He couldn't move his legs. When he turned over, his legs were limp, and I didn't notice that at first. And when they brought the game back, when the broadcast returned, I gasped. And the rest of that game felt dirty to me. And really, for the rest of the season, it's something that was in the back of my mind. Every time you saw a Steelers middle linebacker miss a tackle, you're thinking about Ryan Shazier. And when you think about Ryan Shazier, you're not thinking about him getting the ball carrier to the ground. You're thinking about if he's ever going to get off the ground again. So I don't know how I would react if he was on the football field at some point again in his life. Again, if he wants to, my God, I hope he gets there. If he wants to be in the Hall of Fame like he said the other day, then my God, I hope he's got an opportunity to do that. But it's not going to be comfortable watching for me. Is it going to be comfortable watching for you? 412-922-2874. Tweet me at underscore Adam Crowley. Kevin Colbert put an end to the Mark Tavis Bryant rumors saying Bryant's not being shopped. They took calls from teams inquiring on Bryant. But then after the rumors came out, they started telling teams, hello, we ain't going to be moving this guy. Now, there are some media police out there that are saying they were never shopping Bryant. Okay, and they weren't. 
these rumors are unfounded and unjust. Uh, okay, maybe. But it's not like Martavis Bryant wasn't requesting a trade in the middle of last season. It's not like Martavis Bryant was all happy to be a Pittsburgh Steeler last year. Things weren't going all hunky-dory. He was pissed. He wanted a trade. This is his last year coming up. So it's not unreasonable to start connecting the dots. It's not unreasonable to assume that, hey, maybe, just maybe, the Steelers don't need Martavis Bryant around. But Kevin Colbert shuts it down today, and I think that's the right move. The Steelers need to insulate Ben Roethlisberger. Ben's still great, but I think he's slipping, and I think he has been slipping, and I think his numbers on the road over the last couple of years have pointed that out. Hell, at the beginning of last year, the Steelers started out 3-2, and two, and Ben Roethlisberger was coming off of a five-interception game. I think that in order for Ben Roethlisberger to be at his best, you need to surround him with talent and familiar talent. Martavis Bryant is not all that far removed from being one of the best deep threats in the National Football League. Ben Roethlisberger could benefit from having that guy. Ben Roethlisberger could benefit from having Le'Veon Bell. Kevin Colbert said today that they feel confident that they're going to get something done. They're trying to get something done before the franchise tag deadline which I believe is the 6th of March. Keep Ben Roethlisberger happy. It's why they allowed Todd Haley to leave, and it's why they're going to keep these guys around, or at least do everything they can to try to keep them around. 412-922-2874. Tweet me at underscore Adam Crowley. Here's another Twitter poll I put up, still unsponsored. They didn't sponsor it since the first one of the show. Does college basketball scandal change your enjoyment of the tournament? Because it does not change mine at all. Once I made the decision to be okay with watching collegiate athletes make adults a bleep ton of money, I pretty much don't care about anything else that they do. I don't care what the NCAA does. I don't care what these coaches do. It's all immoral. I'm okay with it being immoral. It's always been immoral to me. So this level of immorality doesn't change it for me at all. And if it does change it for you, I find that odd. I would imagine that just as many people as ever will watch, just as many will enjoy it just as much. You can't tell me that a cheating scandal is going to get in the way of your gambling, your drinking, and your truancy, right? There's no way. That wouldn't make any sense. Rob Rossi joins me at 420 to talk about all kinds of stuff. Will Graves at 540. Haven't talked to Will in a while. He was in Pyeongchang. I got to find out about these condoms. Who's using them? Because the curling team certainly wasn't. And we got Matt Geica coming up at 5 o'clock. Last night's Penns game was... I'm wondering if the Major League Baseball Players Association grievance might make the Pirates actually sign a free agent. Just to get them off their back. That's what this all really boils down to. I gave a couple of reasons yesterday why I think that this is nice to hear for Pirates fans. But the real reason, at the root of it all, for the MLBPA to file this grievance against four Major League Baseball teams is so that one of those teams signs somebody. They want to incentivize 
spending money so that more players in the union get paid. Duh. So maybe the Pirates will say, hey, look over here, we signed Neil Walker again. Hey, look over here, we signed this guy or that guy or this guy or that guy. And if they did that, that would help the Pirates, that would help the fan base, and it would help the Buccos be a more competitive baseball team in 2018. I mentioned last night's Penguins game. There's a lot that stuck out to me. Number one, the Penguins have talked a lot about wanting to roll four lines. And we've talked a lot about the acquisitions the Penguins have made and how deep this team is. But last night, they did not roll four lines. Rowney played four minutes in one second. Tom Kuhnhockel played 431. Riley Shane played 947. So I guess we shouldn't kid ourselves. The Penguins are a three-line team. And those guys in the bottom six, or I suppose the bottom three, they're going to be used solely for penalty killing and to kill some other time. Riley Shea played 947, so they did play him a little bit more than the other two, but let's not kid ourselves. Penguins are a three-line team until they prove it otherwise. It bothers me. They've got the depth. They're not in the playoffs yet. Roll the lines. Give some guys some rest. And I still think their fourth line's good enough to produce. Develop a continuity with this young club. And by young, I mean young in its structure, the way that it's built. It's a fairly new team, the way it's put together right now. When asked about the Paul Mary goal last night, Mike Sullivan said, there are six players on the ice, not five, because the question was asked about Matt Hunwick, the six on the ice, not five, meaning the goaltender had something to say about it. Well, Casey DeSmith let in a couple of softies last night. The Paul Mary goal's got to be stopped. In the final goal, the game winner, yeah, it was a deflection, but if he's up against the post, he's making that save. Connor Sherry, oh my God, is that guy fighting it. Good God, that guy's fighting it. It looks like he's trying to handle a bouncy ball out there. Unfortunately for the Penguins and all of us who have to watch, I think he stays in the lineup because now Zach Aston Reese is out long-term with an upper body injury. The best thing for Connor Sherry is to put him with Crosby, put him with Gensel, let him play his way out of this. If he's going to be in the lineup, that's where he's got to be. You can put Brian Rust on the third line along with Kessel and Broussard. This just in. The Devils are good. They can skate. Their forecheck is badass. The Penguins turned the puck over 12 times last night. That's because of how aggressive they are on the forecheck. Mike Sullivan talked today, and he said that the video review is going to focus on the Penguins' defense being harder to play against. Here's betting they also work on a lot of smart decisions in their own zone. They were brutal in that regard. And you can focus as much as you want on Matt Hunwick. Chris Letang was brutal last night. Worst defense when the Penguins played last night. Malkin's still a god. He had a shift where he broke in one on four, and he found a way to shoot the puck four times. If there's a better player in the league right now, at this very moment, tell me who it is. And don't say Taylor Hall. You're not allowed to say Taylor Hall. One last note. This one's a little bit more minute. It's the minutia. It's the stuff I don't typically focus on, but 
I thought it was interesting, so you should too. Going into last night, Crosby won 33% of his face-offs in his last five games. That's atrocious. I thought he might be hurt. But he won 72% of the draws last night against the Devils. They're a bad face-off team, but I'm sure he's fine. Maybe I'm just an idiot. Well, I know I'm an idiot. I've got coffee all over my arm. Up next, Rob Rossi does his best to bring Penguins fans down to earth more than that loss to the Devils ever could. It'll be fun. Trust me, it's the Crowley Show. This is the Adam Crowley Show. Oh, no, 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 no. On ESPN Pittsburgh and the iHeartRadio app. Sorry, was just down the hall trying to make some waffles. I joke, I kid. 412-922-2874, the number to call. Tweet me at underscore Adam Crowley. Rob Ross is going to be joining us in a few minutes here on the Crowley Show. Rob, of course, from the Trib. He wrote a column that is going to piss off a lot of Penguins fans, and it wasn't the hottest of Rob takes. But I feel like Rossi's back. I feel like Rossi is back to his antagonistic ways. I feel like Rossi is back to being the ice cream man. Because in his column, he suggested "Eh, maybe it's a little too early to start with the parade. Rossi joins me now here on the Crowley Show. What's up, Rob? I just accidentally FaceTimed you. I know. I was. I was wondering. I know we haven't seen each other in a while, but still, uh, you don't need to go doing that. It's a bit of a bit of a jolt to get when I'm expected to talk to you any minute. But hey, we all make mistakes. We all do make mistakes, like you're making right now, coming on my radio show. <laughs> Rob, you pissed off all of Pittsburgh, and I like that. And it wasn't the hottest of takes coming from Rob Rossi. Did I? I, I guess I'm, I'm unaware that. I guess I've done this so often now, but I'm just unaware when it happened. I think you're back. <laughs> I think you're the ice cream man again. Yeah, okay. Well, why? Why? Because I dare suggest there are 12 good teams in the NHL, and it, and it, might, be, it might be hard on the Penguins to three-peat. <laughs> That's exactly it. And I think it's a great take. I think that the Eastern Conference, in particular, is a lot more hard, a lot more difficult to navigate this year than it was last year. I agree, Adam. You know, and I, as I wrote in the column, too, that's at triblive.com, for everybody to read, is that I think the Penguins are the most complete team. I think they're the best team. I think you have to give a ton of credit to you know, David Morehouse for presiding over this turnaround that, that you know started with getting rid of people, bringing new people in, and, you know, they've built this into a, a real nice thing. You know, as Jonathan Bomboli put in his trip story today, they pretty much got their nucleus locked up for the next three or four years. So uh, this thing isn't going to slow down anytime soon. I just kind of get the feeling it might not be their year. 
And that's easy to pin just on the historical precedent, but just look at what New Jersey's doing without arguably New Jersey's most significant player yes. and its goaltender. Look at the Flyers' run. This isn't a hot month for the Flyers. This has been three months of really good hockey. When you look at Toronto when Austin Matthews is healthy, Tampa Bay, you know, started so hot, couldn't keep up that trip. Look, Boston is a great team this year. If it gets um, Patrice Bergeron healthy, that's a formidable team. The Penguins had their two toughest opponents in rounds one and two last year. But I think the difference this year is almost every one of the teams they would have to play, including if they get to the Stanley Cup final, has in the season improved significantly. Now, so the Penguins, but there's only so much improvement you can make when you are the champions two times in a row. This is a testament to how good the league is, not a denouncement of the Penguins. No, and you're absolutely right about that, and that's why if people are getting pissed off, they shouldn't be, because the league right now is looking good, and you know what I love about it, Rob, and this is something I'm going to get to coming up in 15 minutes here on the show, I think the Penguins have kind of changed the way that the league plays. Uh, talk about all those teams right now that you've mentioned. They're all playing fast hockey, scoring hockey, skilled hockey, and I've loved the product this year. Goal scoring is on an uptick. What the hell happened to this league? Well, look, it, it happens in every league, right? Look at the NBA. Uh, the, the Golden State Warriors became a team that you know, could fire the ball from anywhere while playing efficient defense, and so now every team had to keep up with that. Um, look at how the New England Patriots changed the league with the, the, the short passing game. Um, it used to be teams ran the ball. Now it's very much a, a short pass as a run. So, you know, credit the Penguins for doing that. And when you are the, the standard bearer, all you can do is allow teams to try to match that. Uh, let me say this, too, Adam. The People are probably upset because they know this is true. I have always found that when people get the most upset about something that I or anybody writes, it's because it's true. And I think if you're a Penguin fan watching this team this year, you would have seen situations where opponents who didn't look as fast have looked faster. Opponents who didn't look as deep have looked deeper. That's the area I notice most. It's not just the speed. A lot of these teams could match the Penguins sort of one line for one line, but the Penguins were able to roll four. There is depth. When you look at the Winnipeg Jets, they arguably have a deeper group of forwards yes. than the Penguins. When you look at the – it's easy to look at Marc-Andre Fleury because we all love him when you look at the Vegas Golden Knights, but they are so fast and so skilled, and there's not just one guy you can shut down. Um if you look at the teams that we've traditionally come to expect to be good, the Washington Capitals, the Columbus Blue Jackets, I think less of them right now. I mean, when I said there were seven teams that could win the Stanley Cup, neither one of them were in that mix. I mean, I think I ended up considering Washington just because you have to, but I don't really think Washington can win the Stanley Cup. I don't think Columbus is going to make the playoffs, and the reason is, they're not as fast. They're not as deep. The Penguins have forced teams to reevaluate how they build their rosters. And because of that, it's going to be harder for the Penguins to win it this year than it was the last two years, even if they remain healthy. Uh, 
again, that's part of the reason teams don't three-peat, is the league gets two full years to catch up. Another is, look, this Penguin team, Adam, as great as it looks up front, I have some questions about their defensive depth. Not about who's the fifth and sixth defenseman, but who's the seventh and eighth, because you're going to need them. I mean, we saw last year, you're going to need. If you count Chris Letang not playing in the playoffs last year, they basically needed to play nine defensemen throughout the course of a two-month playoff run. Who are their seven, eight, nine right now? Chad Ruedel and a couple of guys from Wilkes-Barre. You're 100% right about that. Rob Rossi joining me here on the Crowley Show. Rob, the Flyers in particular scare me. I do think the Penguins are the better team, but I'm terrified of them, I think because I still have post-traumatic stress disorder from 2012. Yeah, probably. I, look, I, I actually think if the Penguins and Flyers play in a seven-game series, the Penguins will win it pretty quickly, probably five games. That team last night, that should scare you. Yes. That Devils team, um, they would – I actually think within the division of the teams that could make the playoffs, I, in a way I think the Penguins and Capitals are destined to do hard-fought six, seven-game series, sort of like the Joker and Batman are destined to do it. But I also think it's, it's usually going to cope – it's pretty much going to go the Penguins' way. The Devils would scare me because they have the type of goalie – again, and he wouldn't play last night, but they have the type of goalie when healthy that – can steal you that second win in a playoff series. And, and, Adam, I've said this to people for years. It's a misnomer. A goalie, a hot goalie can win you a series. That's the wrong way of looking at it. I was talking with Tom Fitzgerald of the Devils yesterday, former assistant GM here. He's the assistant GM in New Jersey. We were talking about this, and we were saying, a hot goalie steals you the second win. It forces you to only have to get really two wins on your own. That's what the hot goalie does. Because if you go into a series thinking, well, my goalie might win me a game. And we're going to lose one anyhow because sweeps are very rare. Right. Right. So if you only have to win two because your goalie steals you that one, that's what a hot goalie does. So the Devils have that potential. And as you saw last night, they can keep up with the Penguins. I think the Penguins would beat them. But I think it's probably a seven-game series. I think the Penguins would win it. I think they'd be comfortably ahead throughout the series, but you know you don't want to play too many of those, uh, and especially when you've played what three of them already over the past two years. Um, uh, it's a uh, it's going to be hard this year. It, it can be done. And let me say this, Adam: I think they're better poised or better positioned. These Penguins, I think, are better positioned than were. Any of those teams other than the 93 Penguins, who were a superior team in terms of talent but had some weird things happen to them with Lemuse Hodgkin's disease and, 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 and whatnot. But this team certainly has a shot to do it. I'd make them the betting favorite. I just think we could have a surprise champion this year because I do think there are 7 to 12 teams that with the right break could, could put this thing away. Well, and that's just that, right? In hockey, I think maybe more than anything, in any sport, you really need to have things break your way. I talked about oh, it the yeah. other day. The Penguins go back to 2009. They're down 2-0 in that series to the Capitals. That game goes to overtime. If Washington mm-hmm. puts the puck in the back of the net, Penguins don't win the Stanley Cup that year. Yeah, they, they, gets they, up had a, they had an overtime win in Game 5 in Washington where Crosby and Malkin came down to the 2-1 and they passed it to the point where it 
they kind of overpassed their way into a goal. <laughs> right. I mean, look, every team needs to be lucky. That and that's not a again, that's not a knock on the team. I mean, no. What if the what if the Penguins last year had, you know, what if Mark Andre Fleury's, you know, the, the handle hadn't the knob of his stick hadn't stopped that shot? You know, they might lose Game Seven. You know, what if what if Mark Andre Fleury had been traded? Before the, you know, before the playoffs. I mean, and, you know, the year before? Jeez, there were so many. Um, look, two years ago, Adam, the Penguins won the Stanley Cup in a dominating fashion. They were all over teams except for the Capitals. Against the Capitals, the Capitals were probably the better team in that series. And the Penguins won it. You could look at the Penguins' run in 2016 and say, their luck came against the Capitals in that early in yes. that series when the Capitals were dominating games. The Penguins found a way to win it. And you know what? The same have. thing happened in the Stanley Cup final, where Nashville outplayed them for the first two games, and yet Pittsburgh right. was up to exactly, 2-0. exactly. Every team that's ever won that trophy has needed fortune, and to and and I don't think any team avoids bad luck but you would need to avoid disastrous yes. bad luck. And when you have a lot of deep teams, when you have a field like this one, the thing to keep in mind is this. Start looking at the tactical advantage, right? And the tactical advantage for the Penguins might come down to this. They're obviously the best at center depth, which is vital. And their top four defensemen rival anybody's. And even if everybody's facing the, everybody's worried about the defensive depth, or if I'm the only one, no matter, this might be a real simple thing. This year, they have Matt Murray. Last year and the year before, they had Matt Murray and Marc Andre Fleury. And that might be it. That might be it. Can Matt Murray stay healthy enough for them to win? And I don't know if we know the answer to that. So anybody that thinks that the Penguins are the best team, yeah, they are. But their biggest question mark right now is the health of their guy that's going to play the most important position. And that's a giant question mark. Rob, this is probably unfair to put on you as the final question because we've only got a couple of minutes left. But I asked this on Twitter today. Would you ever be comfortable watching Ryan Shazier play football again? Because I'm rooting for him, obviously, and I want him to play if that's what he wants. But I think that I would cringe every time he got near the football. I'm not comfortable watching a lot of guys play football. That's I mean, fair. if we're being honest, I mean, I, you know, I cringe every time I see a lot of things on that field. I mean, every time Ben Roethlisberger gets hit as big as he is, I, you know, to be honest. I, I'm the same way when I watch Sidney Crosby and Vinnie Malkin play hockey. Um, you know, and, and, and so with Shazir, I, I'm not afraid to say this, Adam. I know the, the temptation is to, you know, let's hope he plays again. I'm, I'm hopeful he gets healthy enough to have the option and chooses not to do it. That's probably where I fall on that as well, Rob. Hey, appreciate the time, buddy. Thank you so much. All right, man. Hey, listen, just let the people know they may dislike me, but, well, who are they? I'll FaceTime you later. (laughs) Goodbye. Rob Rossi, the Trib. He's back, baby. Coming up next, 
I got some tweets coming in on the Ryan Shazier topic. Would you ever be comfortable watching Ryan Shazier play football again? 4129222874. Get your tweets in at underscore Adam Crowley. And up next, GMJR's biggest selling point, I think, and how the Penguins changed the league. It's the Crowley Show. Adam Crowley Show. Oh, I like him. <laughs> He's a handsome guy. ESPN Pittsburgh, 970 AM and 106.3 FM. I was driving in today, listening to that station across the street briefly. They were talking about the Bucks, about whether or not the Pirates would be surprising this year. And the criteria to be surprising was be over in the win total of 73 and a half. Are we really doing this? What's the difference between winning 73 games and 78 games? What's the difference between winning 73 games and 82 games? There's zero difference. None. It does not matter in the slightest. They're not going to make the playoffs. They're going to hang around enough that it's going to be interesting around the trade deadline because everyone hangs around when there's two wild cards. If you're a 500 team or around a 500 team, you're going to be hanging around. And they'll probably do that next year. They did it this year. You look at their final win-loss record. They were a bad baseball team, but they were right there. Around the trade deadline. They're going to be right there around the trade deadline. It doesn't make them a good baseball team. Please don't fool yourselves into becoming optimistic. I don't want to see you get hurt. I love you. My snowflakes. I care about you. I want you to be happy. And if you go into this pirate season hoping that they can snag a wild card spot, you're only going to wind up being upset. I've seen this before. Don't allow yourself to get sucked in. Do not allow them to pull the wool over your eyes. 412-922-2874. Tweet me at underscore Adam Crowley. Matt Geica of a number of different outlets now. PirateProspects.com and Pittsburgh Hockey Now will be joining me coming up in 16 minutes. I've got some thoughts on GMJR and how the Penguins have changed the league. We'll get to that coming up in a few minutes. But first, my question was, do you feel comfortable watching Ryan Shazier play football? If he were to play football again, would you watch the games and cringe every time he tried to make a tackle? Because I know that I would. Doug tweets, or pardon me, Dugan. It doesn't matter. You're all snowflakes. Football is honestly hard to watch for me anymore with the knowledge of CTE and TBIs, etc. 43 is probably my favorite player, of course, meaning Troy Palomalo. And watching highlights of his has been truly cringe-inducing. Watching Shazier play again would be so hard for me. That's how I come down. I'm rooting so hard for Ryan Shazier to have the opportunity to play football again. But if Ryan Shazier is to go out on the football field, it's going to be really hard to watch. Really hard to watch. I had a tweet earlier that I thought was a really good idea. Jeff says he should work his way back in shape to play, and when he takes the field for his first defensive snap, call timeout and walk off the field and retire. That'd be badass. 
Prove that you can get all the way back. Prove that you're good enough to get onto that field and then say see you. RJ tweets if he wants to and is cleared by doctors and can contribute, absolutely. There's no doubt that if he can get back that and if he is capable of playing, the Steelers would want him to play. If he can contribute, the Steelers are going to want him to be out there. But the question isn't, do you think he can do it? The question isn't, would he help the Steelers? The question is, would you want to watch him, and how would you feel in watching him? Kellen tweets, oh, this guy from the next room. As much as I love him as a player and as much as the Steelers need him on that defense, I personally don't want to see him play again. Life is more important than football, in my opinion. Well, that's just the thing, right? Because it is. But how much of his life is about playing football? Probably all of it. If he loves football that much, Kellen, he's going to feel like he's never whole again if he can't play. So it's not for me to determine whether or not this guy should play. And it's not for me to root for him not to because I don't want to see him get hurt. But personally, if he does ever get out there, and Kevin Colbert said today it's not going to be in 2018, I'll be happy for the guy. But in my mind, I'll be thinking, oh my God, 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 the entire game. It's like sending shivers down my spine just thinking about it. I got chills two minutes ago whenever I talked about him walking out onto the field. I think that's what would come out of a lot of Steelers fans. You'd be so happy for the guy, but every time he got in on the pile, yikes. 412-922-2874. Tweet me at underscore Adam Crowley. How would you feel watching Ryan Shazier play football again if he did so after 2018? Last night's game notwithstanding, the Penguins are pretty damn good. GMJR has built a really stanking good roster. And in fact, we're going to call him Jedi JR from here on out because he just makes trades that it doesn't make any sense for the other general manager to make. Trevor Daly coming over for Rob Scuderi. I mean, what the bleep? What the actual bleep? Kasperi Kapanen has not done really anything. For Toronto, he scored a big goal in the playoffs this year or last year, but hasn't done enough to merit consideration to be in their top 12 all the time. They traded that guy and Nick freaking Spalling for Phil Kessel. GMJR, Jedi JR, is unbelievable. I brought this up at the end of the show yesterday, but I think his biggest attribute, I think the biggest thing that he does to separate himself from other general managers in any sport, and really people in this society, is when he's wrong, damn, he admits it, and he rectifies that situation real quick. Mike Johnson had one of the shortest tenures in Penguins coaching history. 110 games, and Jedi GR was like, (laughs) F that, this shiz ain't working. That's admitting that he's wrong because he hired the guy. That's admitting that he bleeped up. That's admitting his fault. David Perron was brought in for a first-round pick. And then not all that long afterwards, he was flipped for Carl Hagelin. It wasn't working. Ryan Reeves was not playing a lot of ice time. And he said, peace. 
Greg McKaig started this year as one of the Penguin centers. Greg McKaig. Carter Rowney, the fourth-line center. That's what the Penguins are rolling out there, and they thought that they were going to compete for another championship. Clearly, they weren't the answer. And Jim Rutherford went out, and he got Daniel Broussard, whose name is really Derek. I keep calling him Daniel. Don't know why. And he got Riley Shane. He said, okay, we're not good enough here. We are not good enough. I've got to fix it. Coming into the year, Matt Hunwick was playing a bunch. Chad Ruedel was having to flex in and out of the lineup. And now, of course, Hunwick has to play. But he went out and got Jamie Alexiak during the season because he didn't do enough during the offseason to buoy this roster. Jim Rutherford is not afraid to admit when he's wrong. In fact, his first ever offseason as the Penguins general manager, he went out and signed a bunch of guys to one-year contracts, and the thought is if they're good enough, we we bring them back. If they're not good enough, we let them go and we rebuild that way. This dude is not afraid to admit when he's wrong, and it's the opposite of the way that anybody operates in this society. We've played audio on this show of Mike Francesa not knowing what the bleep he was talking about and then blaming his producer and saying, oh, no, you misheard me when he's getting things wrong. People don't like to admit when they're wrong. I got an argument with my wife for an hour last night. We fought for an hour. An hour. And after the first 10 minutes, I probably now, looking back on it, know that I was wrong. Admit that you're wrong when you're wrong, and it helps you a lot. It would have saved me 50 minutes last night. My wife would have been a lot happier with me. Mike Francesa, while good at his job, could probably have prolonged his career if sometimes he'd show a little humility. Maybe not. Sometimes it helps to admit that you're wrong and to change things. That's why Jedi GR... I'm going to screw that up a lot. It's okay. I'm young yet. I'll learn. GMJR, Jedi GR, it's his greatest attribute. It is. Other general managers, they fall in love with players. They don't cut them when they need to be cut. They don't move them when they need to be moved. We've seen it a lot. One place you don't see it is New England. When a player doesn't get it, they cut him. Doesn't fit the scheme, they cut him. Doesn't do things the Patriots way, they cut them. They admit their mistakes. Jedi JR does too. And that's why the Penguins have now won three Stanley Cups in the Sidney Crosby era. Two with GM JR at the helm. 412-922-2874. Tweet me at underscore Adam Crowley. The other thing that Mr. Rutherford has done is change the league for the better. Scoring's up this year. Look around the league. Who are all the good teams? I tweeted out last night that there are four teams that can win the Stanley Cup. I know Rob disagrees with me. He thinks 7-12 to 12 have a shot. I think four have a real shot. And I would bet all my money that one of these four teams is going to win the Cup. Winnipeg, Nashville, Pittsburgh, or Tampa. I'm going all in on those guys. And I bet you that the champion's going to come from one of those four. 
But what do they all have in common? They all play the way that the Penguins play. Of course the Penguins play the way the Penguins play. But the other three, they play with speed. They play with skill. They try to score. Tampa's got great defense. But they lead the league in scoring. I don't think you need to look any farther than last night's game to realize the impact of what this Penguins regime has had on the National Hockey League. The Devils forever put people to sleep. Forever put people to sleep. And last night's game was entertaining as all get out. They can skate. They can score. They do not stop forechecking. And yet, at the end of the game, they collapse the net. That's part of today's game. But the Penguins did that in the Cup last year. Penguins did that in the playoffs the last two years. They collapsed the net in the off- in the defensive zone at the end of game. You look at New Jersey and you watch the way that they play, they've never played like that since I've been alive. And it's because the league has changed. Look at the Flyers. They've gooned it up forever. Going a lot of Sandlot references here. And now they try to score. That's who they are. They try to put the puck in the net, and they do a good job of it, but the league has changed. Hell, look at Tampa. Tampa used to trap it up all the damn time. Guy Boucher. They don't anymore. They score. And it's all because these teams are trying to play the way the Penguins play. In the West, for a while, it was heavy. That was the buzzword. Now speed, skill, those are the buzzwords. It's because the Penguins changed the game. 412-922-2874. Tweet me at underscore Adam Crowley. Matt Geica joins us next to discuss It Is the Crowley Show.